Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Ladies and gentlemen, a very warm welcome to the Live Lands this Monday, Bank Holiday Monday. Hope you've had a great day. I'm Phil Bars, joined by Jack Gobby Garwood. And today, Lee Boyce, because Jarliff isn't allowed out to play, that thumbprint has got rather big. Gob, and he can't come and join us tonight. Yeah, bless him. No, he's all right. He did warn us in advance a couple of weeks ago that he couldn't make tonight. So, adequate replacement, a man that spent the majority of his time in Milton Keynes last week. Um, Mr. Boyce, nice to see, mate. You're not well. You're wearing something a bit viewer friendly compared to your wardrobe last week. <laughs> I had a feeling that was going to come up at some point, Dob. And I'm surprised that even after uh, <laughs> Jar giving you two weeks' notice, you're letting him off that easy. It doesn't matter what notice. If the thumbprint's there, the thumbprint's oh. there, mate. Notice shouldn't matter. <laughs> change man, and I, you know, change man, me. Nah, not having that. Um, welcome along, everyone. Come and say hello in the chat room. Get your questions in nice and early. We're going to spend the next two hours talking absolute darting nonsense that no one will agree with, but we'll have a good time doing it anyway. Lots to catch up on. Premier League to look back on. Weekend darts. Um, big six weeks coming up for the 128 tour card holders and, of course, your questions. But let's start, gentlemen, the Premier League. And there is only one place to start. Forget the winner. How good was it to have five days of fans in arenas causing absolute bedlam? Guess this is where we come straight to you, Lee, because you were one of those fans causing absolute bedlam. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was so good. It was good to be part of it. I, <laughs> I think uh, the the Monday started a bit slow, and I think it was everyone in the in the arena didn't know how to react to being back at a live event and it built up towards the end of that Monday night but from the end of the week or then throughout the week it was just brilliant to be part of it um, such a good atmosphere the, the Thursday was probably the highlight for me from an atmosphere point of view but it was so good to be part in the midst and uh, be part of the, the noise that was created across those five nights and God we saw what a difference it made to the players, there was an energy on stage again from from them all. 
yeah, there was even the players that we suspected wouldn't cope very well with that crowd being back. It just seemed to lift that extra couple of percent aesthetically. I, I'm not even sure we can say statistically that, that the crowd backs that up, but aesthetically, there just seemed to be that little bit more in some of the performances that perhaps we wouldn't have seen from the players in the first three blocks. Yeah, completely agree. And like Boise said, the first game was weird because everyone did forgotten when to cheer, when to celebrate. But however, by by the end, it was like back to normal. We had every time the music hit, people were dancing and that again. It was just a joy to watch and something that I don't think anyone will ever take for granted again. No, I agree. We've seen that line a lot over the last couple of days. I just think as well, the Premier League traditionally is... There, there are very, very casual darts fans that attend that event because of the size of the crowd and the way that it is marketed to darts fans. It's a, it's a night out. It, it's a, it's a rolling, travelling circus of entertainment and a night on the beer, basically, to, to the majority of people that attend in this country. When you first announced that fans are allowed back, that first night, people that are going to clamour to go back to that event are what I'd class as your more traditional darts fans who are there to actually see the darts action that thrive on being in that arena, they're not normally the ones that make the noise. And I think that's why it gave a little bit of time to, to get back into the swing of things as well. Yeah, no, I could completely agree. Before we have a look at how the Premier League went down, well, warm welcome to the chat room. Owen, Raven Effect, Kieran is in, Missy as always, Jonathan, Curtis, how are you doing? Yankee Clipper is in as well. Simon, you're all in as normal. Pleasure to have you along. Remember, don't be shy in the chat room. Come and say hello to us and have a general chit-chat amongst yourselves. It's a joy to have you back after missing last week because of the Premier League. Right. Let's, let, let's do this. Let's go straight in. Night 13. And the very first game, Gob because he's your boy, we'll, we'll talk about this. This was the nightmare result <laughs> that we didn't want to happen because effectively Gary Anderson's Premier League was done after one game of the restart. Yeah, and to be honest, it's a bit hard to take if you are a Gary Anderson fan because he didn't do a lot wrong and he's been trounced 8-1. I mean, the headline stat from this, I think will tell you that Gary Anderson was one from eight on the doubles. Six of those seven misses were at the bullseye because that was what he's reduced to every single time. But the one time Johnny does miss, Gary's not sat on a finish to come and punish him. Johnny was ridiculous. He took out everything on his throw. It was incredibly, incredibly James Wade-like in just snuffing every single chance that you could possibly offer your opponent. And like you said, it... it it didn't guarantee it, but it effectively put Gary out. There was absolutely no room for error then for the rest of the week. You've got to go perfect. And it was just a little bit too much for the Flying Scotsman to try and sneak into the Premier League from there. Yeah, then number two, this was the result or the game that was going to have a huge bearing on the top four, Lee. And if I'm being honest, that scoreline flattered Dimitri a bit. Jose was probably better than what that scoreline suggests. Yeah, Josie had opportunities. I think it was maybe at 7-3, 7-4 to let it finish at that yeah. point. Uh, it should have been a wider win for Josie. Um, Dimmy wasn't done at all on that night. But 
It was Fins to it was Fins to Tom as well. We seen from that one as well as we did with the first result. It was Fins to Tom for the rest of that week. Uh, and one thing we seen was that uh, disappointing from uh, Dimmy to be where he was top of the lead after night eight, and then this was the carry on from from sort of nine night onwards of that dip in form. Yeah, we'll touch on Dimmy shortly. We'll do it after the end of, of this because I've got a few bits on it. I've been critical of Dimitri, but I'm going to stick up for him a little bit here. But then Nathan Aspinall, Trancy and Michael Van Gogh in 8-3. And at the time, this result made the race for top spot interesting, Gob. Yeah, it did, especially with the result that, that came previous as well. Dimmy dropped off just that little bit. Um I'll be completely honest, after block three, I don't think we saw this result coming either. We, we seem to think that Van Gerwen had, had turned a corner, was back because of how well he, he performed in that block three and that Nathan had struggled a little bit. But that was the game that, that sort of reignited the charge for top spot for Nathan and he, he was superb. And then the last one, James Wade, again, this... Hey, this done James Wade beaten 8-4 by Peter Wright. But more interesting, Gob, is it a surprise? Peter Wright turns up with the World Championship darts over four days and probably plays the best stuff he's played in about a year. Absolutely not a surprise. The one thing we've all been clamouring for for the entire Premier League campaign, we said how Peter Wright could be the spoiler in this, um, and he played his part over the four nights. Um, James slow to get out the blocks a little bit, perhaps, um, but he, he sat at that level, and Wright just sat at that level just above him. Um, superb from Snake Boy. Yeah, but the question is, has he realised, has the penny dropped about the darts? Because we asked him after the media on night one, and he said he'd only bought three sets of the World Championship darts all the same weight. They just had different points in. That's a start. I think so. I think so. And even the, the flight and stem setup, um, he, he sort of started heading back towards as as outright world champion setup that he had with the, the graphite shaft and the almost molded flight, um, like a little dimplex pattern on it to start with. He tinkered about the colour on that a little bit. The points that he ended up with on the final night were the closest to the ones that he threw in that world championship final. Of the entire week, he started off with some slightly longer that looked like something out of a, a Kyle Anderson unicorn dart. Um, and then he, he almost ended up with like a CD grip or, or just a plain black ring grip towards the end of the week. Um, I thought his grouping got better as the four nights went on. Um, left himself a little bit too much to do. And I think he was already out of it by the time that um, that, that final game against Van Gerwen came around. But... Yeah, he was. Four days practice against some of the best players in the world with the next event being the match play. Not a bad run for Peter, right? And he's a contender for that already now. I completely agree. Then from there, night 14. Lee, did the Asp undo all the good work the night before, drawing 7 all with Wade? Yeah, it was it was a massive opportunity with Aspinall. With Wade losing the night before, that was Wade's Premier League done. And I think um, prior to this week when we was talking, we were saying that Peter Wright could be a spoiler. 
I think James Wade then went into that position with the first night here to, to let that draw against Aspinall as a win there. They put him in a brilliant position, obviously following from the 9-13. So it was a, a missed opportunity and a, not a great performance from the Asp. Uh, and Wade doing Wade things. Yeah. Do, do we think Nathan maybe got a little nervous at that point where that 25 grand winner's bonus was, was in sight and, and in his hands at that point? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think it was it was showing. Uh, it, well, it was showing in that performance, certainly. Um, and like it says, you don't want to be thumbing up against Wade when you are showing those because if there is nerves and there's opportunities, Wade is going to take them. That's what Wade's best at. Even though Wade had nothing to play for in regards to getting into that top four, you don't want to leave him opportunities and Wade certainly took them that night. Match number two, Jose de Souza booked his place in the final four with an 8-5 victory over Johnny Clayton Goldman. Good game, this one. Yeah, solid. And I don't want to sit here and say I told you so, but this is one of the things I absolutely got right from about <laughs> six weeks ago. Jose would wrap it up. He'd be solid. He had a very, very tough running, and he got it done after just two nights of this four-night running. He was superb. Absolutely. I'm so surprised, dog. I cannot bang on about oh, 13 minutes just how good Jose is. To be fair, mate, I would have done it on the last pod, but I fell asleep while we recorded it. No, I didn't. I had tech problems. Tech problems. <laughs> no messages <laughs> yeah. at all. I'd be sat here waxing lyrical about him instead. Everybody would have already heard this. Um, he, he was magnificent. All right, Johnny dropped off at the wrong moment, just a 91 average, but Jose was superb. Yeah. Um... Uh, Jennifer, we'll come to your question in the chat room in, in a minute. There's a couple of reasons why they don't, but we'll answer that after night 14 for you. Um, and then match number three, the white flag was up. Gary Anderson, 8-4 against MVG. And again, Anderson just throwing with a, with a little bit of freedom. Wasn't wasn't at his brilliant best, but MVG re-established top spot. Got yeah, he did. Um, like you said, Gary was was virtually done after the night before. I think for this block of four, he effectively became Rob Cross from pre-elimination. Um, very, very solid, very, very steady, but probably lacking that killer instinct to get over the line against any of these guys. It's a good sign. It's a very good sign if you're a Gary Anderson fan. I don't think that the practice and, and the commitment that he promised that we keep banging on about after such an explosive world championships has, has quite materialized. But at the same time, the fact that he is still competing with these top guys, there are signs where he's ridiculously good. Um, he got trounced by Johnny Clayton eight one, but I actually think the action in that match was better than some of the matches where he averaged 107 and, and 111 at times a couple of weeks before that, I think the release point was much, much better. And if he's going to keep working on that, keep getting better at that, all that Gary's got left to do is, is try and pick up a couple more world championships. He'll dip in and out. He, he's not going to commit to go into 20 pro tours a year. He's not going to the Euro tours. He's just got to stay in and keep competing and, and pick and choose his schedule like he is. And this is a good sign that actually he's not a million miles away from these top boys who are putting it in day in, day out. And, that's a ridiculous amount of ability the man has. And then we talked about Wright being the spoiler. He really put the cat amongst the pigeons here. 
He beats Dimitri Vandenberg 8-5, but Dimitri averaged best part of 107 and lost the game, Lee. Yeah, and for me, that this was Peter Wright's best performance of the Premier League. I'm not sure on stats. I've not gone through to have a look if it was, but it was a, a very, very good Peter Wright performance. Uh, luckily, it was... Uh, I was there to witness it, but for me, it looked very good. Back, like, like Dobbs talked about, back with his uh, World Championship darts, and it looked like a very, very confident Pierre Wright. And if he's going to continue in that vein, it does put him in a good position for the rest of the year. But it was a very, very standard performance to beat Dimi, who averaged, like I said, just shy of 107. Uh, just showed how good Pierre Wright was on night 14. Yeah, before we move on to night 15, Jennifer asks about doing the ball on the stage and not in the players' room. There's a few reasons why they, they don't and can't. Um, one is we've seen the ball go on for the best part of five, six minutes Bob, before in, in the practice room. And the other one is the bookies need to know who's throwing first early so they can price up the relevant markets. If it's done on stage, there's not time for them to do it. I get it, and we've had this conversation a fair bit, but I think if the PDC are going to persist with events where there's not a too clear leg rule, like we saw at times in the last year because of COVID, then we have to see it. And I get how long it takes, and I get that bookmakers that need it, but it can effectively decide the outcome of a match, and we don't get to see it. Even if it's recorded and shown when they get back from a break and you speed it up or a little clip of it or this is how it was done blah 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 this many times but you just see that dart going in the bullseye to know just how much of an edge that gives a player I do think more needs to be made of throwing first in a sport where it matters so much at this level because it does yeah no 100% I agree it it does matter but I just don't think it'll I don't think it'll ever happen personally no, um, but that, 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 that's, that, that, that's the main the main two reasons why it is not done. And then from there, night 15, Johnny Clayton was getting a little twitchy at this point, and Peter Wright was on the verge of the great escape goal. He'd given himself an opportunity by going three from three. I... Naively tweeted, it's happening when this result came in because I thought he was just playing <laughs> so, so well. We spoke about it in the last live lounge before the Premier League that we hoped and expected one of the chasing pack to make a run at it. We, we thought Gary Anderson has this knack of sneaking in. We looked at the, the fixtures and, and the way that the last block finished and we thought that James Wade had the best opportunity of the three players to do it and we'd literally spent 35 minutes analyzing these last four and not considered Peter Wright because he was struggling with the injury because he hadn't played very well because he was tinkering with his darts and he came out absolutely firing and he's one dart away I think one dart away because we'll talk about night 16 in a minute but I think if game two on night 15 goes differently we see a different Peter Wright on night 16 because there's still a chance, there's still yeah. an opportunity to put that cat amongst the pigeons with that final game to come as well. Yeah, the, the point Dimitri got against James Lee was pivotal for 
for Wright. If Wade wins that one, Wright is banging the hunt for that fourth spot. Yeah, 100%. It's hard to disagree with uh, Dob on that one around the, what we see from Peter Wright in that final night. Um, this was the one night that I wasn't in the arena, so it was good to be watching it. Um, it, it was good to be watching it on TV to see what everyone was watching at home. So once you're part of it, you obviously get a different feel for it as if you watch it at home, but it did come across like a very good night in regards to the atmosphere. And from this one, it was a... Uh, it would have been very interesting to see if going into that night, it's Dean, if Peter Wright would have had something on that day. Yeah. Um, game three was was very interesting. Um, Nathan Aspinall drew 7 all with Gary Anderson, but I've never seen Nathan Aspinall so emotional in his media afterwards, he was fuming with himself and he was like, I will never make that mistake again. He feels he gifted Gary something in that game before a dart was even thrown. God, I know it's that thing about playing your idol and, and whatever, but he was fuming. I think that's the issue with Nathan. And uh, I've said this multiple times about him as well. I genuinely believe he thrives off being the underdog, off performing upset. And if you're constantly putting yourself in a position where you're trying to convince yourself you're the underdog because of the stature of your opponent or because of where you're sitting in results or you've you've had a bad road, you're just constantly up against it and trying to motivate yourself to that extra level that Nathan seems to need to thrive. It's not always going to happen. And I think that's the disappointment. After winning on night 13 as well, he went from massive underdog to sneak into the top four, arguably, because of the form that he carried in the third block to almost favourite to top the Premier League because he, he beat Marco Van Gogh in so convincingly. And the next two nights, it sort of just unfolded against the two players that were nowhere to be seen come that point. And I think that's that was the frustration and the disappointment that, that came out of of Nathan in the end that he's been very, very close numerous times. And we see this run last year. We've seen the runs to the World Semi-Finals. And then it's what happens next. And he'll be fourth, fifth, sixth in the tournament, betting favourite for the next couple of events. Might sneak out a little bit early. We'll start dipping off that again. Start trying to build himself up. Have one good run, but probably miss an opportunity. And he's, he's just got to get out of that cycle. Yeah, completely agree then. Last up, this was the result that pretty much wasn't mathematical, but pretty much did the damage for top spot Boise and MVG beats Jose de Souza and claims the winner's spot and a 25k bonus. Yeah, it was the one if Jose wins it, it's a, a fight between Jose, MVG and the Aspen into the final night. The win then changed it and knocked Jose out of that fight. Um, and as we, when we move on to Night 16, we see this was the day that won it for him um, as well. I think for some reason on night one with fans back in, it was very strange to see MVG perform as he did. And I think by night two, he'd found himself being comfortable then with fans back in. It didn't, something didn't click on night one for MVG. I'm not sure what it was, but just being there and watching it, something didn't click. But night two, we seemed to click on from there and then pushed on throughout the week. And this was another one. He felt comfortable, looked comfortable on stage and got the job done in the end of then Stroud's out to wrap all you up. I'll tell you what it was. 
he got booed. And I don't think he was expecting it. And I don't think it was yeah, vicious. It, I think it was a little bit pantomime. But with the absence of Gerwin Price, the fans in attendance wanted to stir things up a little bit. They, they've just had this for the last three years now, arguably, where on every night they've always tried to find the pantomime villain of the piece. And it just turns out that they picked Van Gogh with this. It's not the first time we've seen a crowd turn against him either because he's been so successful. You look at the reception he got in Blackpool against Phil Taylor. That was very, very difficult as, a, as an atmosphere to go in and perform as a player. And I think that just knocked him a little bit because he was so set, so comfortable. Then Aspinall gets out early as well and he doesn't have that crowd to help him respond. And I think that was what set him off. But he, he settled in all right by the end of the week. Yeah, definitely. Moving on to night 16. It was all on the line here. We'll talk about the first game first of all. And this was the race to see who could potentially get home first before the last game. This game had absolutely nothing on it. Both of them through carefree and you could see that. But it was James Wade with an 8-6 winner over Gary Anderson and Gob. The car was certainly running for Ando. Yeah, I mean, look, he's, he's still... Chucked it 100 average, 8-6. These two have had disappointing campaigns by their own standards. And I think if you look at their campaigns, you can identify a block in four blocks where they, if you could give it back and they could go again, they take it off you because that's where it sort of changed. And then they leave themselves a little bit too much come block four. Wade's block three was very, very difficult. And he started slowly. Gary, similar they they bite your hand off for another attempt at one of those blocks just to go again, just to motivate themselves. Look, they still perform pretty well. I still expect probably both of them to be in the competition next year. Gary puts bombs on seats if he has half a decent run at anything this year. He'll be there. James won the UK Open. They'll be there. Well, well, they'll, well, pretend, they'll prepare let better. Let me you there. James, James that is here. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> We will riot. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? I, I think considering how last minute James came in and such a slow start to his campaign in that first five nights as well, four nights, whatever it was, I think he did pretty well to still genuinely have that little bit of an outside chance, couple of results that could have gone either way. Um, that block three was absolutely brutal for him because he played unbelievable and picked up one point. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And then game two was the game that broke Wayne Mardle's voice. The crowd went ballistic as Jose D'Souza took out 120, hitting three double tops. Lee, you, you were there. Were you jumping up and down on your seat? Yeah, I'm a Jose fan um, and I loved it. I'm not sure if I enjoyed that more. Or the one seven one, then eighty tops tops in about lead nine maybe. That was something special, and then to wrap it up with a one four nine. It was a special Jose performance. It was a carefree Jose performance because obviously the night before he couldn't then win the lead. The only difference here was he could finish above Aspen at the throw in the semi-finals, but the pressure was all on Aspen. Jose came out, broke the one eighty record. It was just an all-round very good. Uh, very good, probably understating the performance. It was a it was a top class Jose performance. 
Um, for me, um, and just back on the previous time, I'm not sure James Wade is guaranteed to be in the Premier League next year. Anyway, on the Jose <laughs> one, uh, yeah, it, it was a quality game. And to break the 180 record as well, and I know he, he pushed on further with that in the finals night, uh, summed up a good Premier League campaign before going into finals night for Jose. Men. Peter Wright, Michael Van Gogh, and at this point had absolutely nothing on it whatsoever. And you, you could see that the pair were laughing and joking on stage with each other, which doesn't happen very often, God. No, not with these two. They're uh, fierce rivals when it when it comes down to it um, that, that we've seen and we've known firsthand. But like I said, there wasn't a lot on it and that just allowed him to just go up and... Have a, have a chuck, really. Uh, 94-100 average is, is nothing to be shy of, 8-6. But like I said, I think if Dimmy hadn't hit that ball for the 130 on night 15, we see a different Peter, right? There, there's still that opportunity, but it, it's effectively gone at that point because of the way that last game, being Dimmy Clayton, just falls. It was over. Don't get me wrong, it would have taken a, a big swing either way. You'd need to take a, a big lump out of Michael Van Gerwen in terms of um, leg difference and, and hope that I think Dimi won by a certain margin but not big enough to then Mate, overtake it, it was all done goal they couldn't do it mathematically you couldn't change the leg if, try and by if then. Dimi hadn't have won if Dimi hadn't oh, had the 130 yeah. the night before he would have needed yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. a big yeah, swing leg difference yeah. wise at a Dimi win with a certain margin that took a little bit out of Clayton but didn't give Dimi enough it, it was getting a little bit complicated um, but yeah like you said all done. It was nice to see those two getting on because they are two of the best players of the last 10 years comfortably. Yeah, no, I completely agree, but I do like it when they fall out. <laughs> so, so, so does our YouTube channel. They say best still last. It was all on the line. In this game, winner takes all. Dimitri Vandenberg against the ferret, Johnny Clayton, Boise. And when it mattered, never, ever, ever underestimate a ferret because he was sensational. Considering the way the other three nights had gone, to pull that out of the bag under that pressure, stones. Massive stones. Um, I think, that, was it 111 average on his throw? Johnny Clayton had um, one, didn't they broken once, 111 average, finished on 10392 for the day. Braids Dimmy once and never looked like being broken at all. I mean, Dimmy had one lead when he had an opportunity to break back uh, and only had one dart, a ball maybe. Uh, but Johnny was just fantastic uh, on throw throughout the whole day. And yeah, massive stones, as you say. Um, and it was just a drop-off of Dimi. The, the averages was there for him throughout the, the lead, but the last week just wasn't getting the results. Yeah. Um, so, from there, we're going to push the table, but he's not here to defend himself, but I'm still going to have a, a pop. Gob, Giles said Dimitri Vandenberg bottled the top four. Now, that was his words, but I'm, I'm not having this. Bottling it is when you fall off a cliff. In, in this four block of four, he's averaged 95, 106, 
101 and 100. That is not bottling it, is it? That's just unlucky. One winning... One winning seven is. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, no about wins all week. No yeah, we're, we're looking at that final number, Phil. Uh, look, averages are a guide, a, a measure of performance, right? What ultimately happens is it comes down to those key moments. Those, those key moments within the game that you can't see on paper. That 130 for Dimi to pinch that point against James Wade absolutely massive and kept him in the hunt, but he just wasn't there. He wasn't committed enough. He didn't exert himself enough on his opponents at time in the last seven. He performed very well. Look, we sat here and say how unlucky Mensor Sulovic was when he performed in the Premier League and how unlucky Jose de Souza was in the first block of five. But the very, very top level professionals find a way to win. They find a way to get that leg that matters the most to put food on the losing. table. There's a difference between losing and bottling games. As, as, as you know, bottling it is when you're miles there in front. Is. And, and those averages is not a bottle job. No, but you're not unlucky <laughs> for seven games in a row where you've only won one. There's, there's something but, wrong. Like, Don't get wrong. You can have opponents perform well. You can play at this level, but... There's absolutely no reason why we haven't seen a level from Dimi where he just steps it on the gas for an extra two or three legs at those opportune moments. And I thought that he was missing that killer instinct. Didn't know how to kill off game. Jose was the same for large periods of this Premier League. A lot of results got a lot, lot tighter for Jose than they should have. And if you look back through the campaign, there's a couple of moments where you could look at it and go, he'd have comfortably finished top. And all right, it's all a bit, if Matt had will, she'd be a bicycle sort of thing. But we can pinpoint those yeah. moments as to why Jose finished second and not first. You could go back and look at these Dimi performances and see the legs where he just switches off or the legs where he has a good scoring leg but but doesn't get anywhere near the darts. It's it's striking on your opponent's throw. Something that James Wade has become very, very good at. He's very, very solid on his own throw without being spectacular. And then will take the opportunity when you hand him one on your own throw. looking at the table, is that the closest Premier League we've had arguably ever, but certainly in a long, long time, Boise? Yeah, it is. Um, we had the possibility going into night 15, where there was still three people who could fight it out for fourth. We had potentially the top three fighting it out for top space. Um, so I know there's a lot of change then on night 15 that meant that there was only really one day, uh, potentially two, that was another meaning on it. But with two nights left, there was still six players fighting for them, top four positions, and like I said, three of them fighting for the top position. So it was very close, and one of the closest that I can think of in recent times. And then we have a semi-final lineup. It was Jose de Salazar against Nathan Aspinall, Michael Van Gerwen against Johnny Clayton. PDC got them around the wrong way. Telling Lou off. Um, <laughs> first game. Sad. First game. First game up. And it was the Ferret who came out on top, beating Michael Van Gerwen. Those last two legs from Johnny Clayton, Gob, 
nothing short of world class. To break MVG in 11 and then hold in the, the manner that he did, that shows how good Johnny Clayton has become over the last six months. Yeah, it does. Ridiculous good. If it's anybody that has got a bit more stage presence about him, we're waxing lyrical about that for months to come. Johnny Clayton is a very, very talented darts player and he has been on a superb run since he picked up that World Cup trophy with a girl in Price last year and played some ridiculously good darts. But I just find him difficult to be passionate about. Does that make sense? Yeah. I find it difficult to, to be on the edge of my seat when Johnny's performing. I'm not sure if that's the action, the throw, the, the reactions. Well, I just unbelievable dart player, superb to beat Van Gogh in the way he did it as well. I'll be honest that I, I think the majority of us had backed Van Gogh in to get through this. We thought that just picking up those extra couple of wins against Peter Wright um, and against Jose in the way that he did would, would put him in the final. And I think quite a few people had a, a Jose MVG final lined up, but Johnny Clayton had other ideas yet again. Third time in a row in a race to 10, Johnny Clayton has had Michael Van Gogh's number now. That is worrying for the world yeah. of one, too. I say you, you said about not getting excited, Gob, unpopular opinion, but I'm the same about Jose. I don't get excited about watching Jose play. So I know exactly what you mean by that. I mean, we said this before the start of the Premier League, and the Premier League has massively delivered, considering the absence of Gerwin Price, and considering that me, you and Jar sat here when the final 10 was announced, we sat here in our preview show, and we sat here for the first couple of weeks as well and said that some of these players aesthetically aren't ones that are easy to get excited about. They're not a Michael Smith that will fly around the board and ping a 170 while the cameraman's still chasing. They're not a Dave Chisnell who's going to fire in 180s for fun and then snatch his dart all over the place. They're not the established players that we've grown up with, know their little differences and their actions and, and all that sort of thing. But I think this field of, of massively delivered and Difficult that I'm sat here criticising, but at the same time, it's just the way that I like to watch darts. Then from there, who would play the ferret in the final? It was Jose, the Portuguese man of scores. 10-9 over Nathan Aspinall. The Asp struggling with a little bit of a back problem on the night, but held it together to produce a good game, Lee, and this went down to the wire. Yeah, we did go down to the wire. However, I always felt watching it that Jose was in control of it. Um, and then the only time, really, when I was thinking that Ask might have him is when he hit, was it a 164 to leave 145? Jose was sat on, um, was on 195. Then Jose put in the 171 to leave double 12. But even going into that last lead, I was confident that Jose would see it through. There was just something about Asp, and if you mentioned there that he had issues with his back, there was just something about Asp that I'd seen the rest of the week where there was that confidence, where he didn't seem to have it as much or wasn't as pumped up as he was in the other ones. And if he should, then that would, would show that's why. But uh, it went all the way, and that, that 171 was the, the turning point for Jose because it gave him three darts to win it instead of potentially just setting himself up on a two or three darter. But it was a very, very good day uh, 
to tee up then what was the final. Speaking of the final, spoiler alert, we all know what happened. This man, the ferret, Johnny Clayton, added his name to a very prestigious list of names as the Premier League champion. 11-5 over Jose D'Souza. And, God, he was in control of this game from the off. Yeah, that's, that's the perfect way to sum it up. Johnny Clayton dictated this game from the very first start. Uh, he was excellent. He got ahead. Um, he's been ridiculously good since he won the World Cup. He's, he's, the, he's the Masters champion. Don't get me wrong, Jose won the slam, but I just think Johnny is more accustomed to playing big matches in front of a crowd. He's played at the World Championships more. I'm pretty sure the World Cup was in front of fans. Um, he's just got that edge. And if he's on it, he is on it. And he is incredibly difficult to stop. He has nights where his doubling percentage is exceptional. And there's absolutely nothing you could do about it. And tonight, or the finals night, was one of them nights. He was ridiculously good. Yeah, and it's just a great story as well. In six months, he's won three televised titles. Um, and there's an interview coming out on our channel probably tomorrow with Nico. Um, and we, we talk about this. God, I don't know where you stand on this as well, but Nico is very passionate. And he said that this highlights an issue in the ranking system that you've got a man that's won three televised titles, not in the top 16, not seeded for Blackpool. Um, and he talks about the changes that he'd make to the rankings and, and and everything like that. Is it time for a change? It is, but the problem is in, in the events that Johnny Clayton has won, you cannot rank the Premier League. It holds far oh. too significant financial weight in for players that are picked on things other than dark performances. And he won the Masters, which is effectively handing money to the top boys based on performance from the previous year. Because that gap between them and the, the 32 below or the 25 down to the 128 just gets wider if that is a ranking event. Well, Nico talks that, about this very passionate. That's where the issue is. He goes away from a money ranking to a points ranking, so you do rank everything. I, I definitely think I'm the ranking not, system I'm, needs to be looked at. The weighting of the two year from the World Championships is already massive enough to skew the ranking system. We've seen that before. But I'm just not sure how, with so many events that are traditionally non-ranking or are exhibition and there are different criteria for being part of it, rather than just playing good darts at an event previous, which is effectively what the ranking list is, I don't know. And this is the worry with things like the World Series. What is the ultimate yeah. end game for the World Series? How long is that at all? How long is that you're rolling out the top players to new markets? Because at some point that effect is going to wear off on people. What do you then replace that with in the calendar? Grand Slam's going to go a little bit stale unless you get some sort of amateur participation in because it effectively then just becomes another long leg play event. The calendar... Don't get me wrong, we've said this a lot. The PDC have done fantastic work and that some of the situations are completely out of their hand. 
but in the next 18 months, they need something a little bit revolutionary to spice it up to make sure that every event carries some sort of significance. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, and I, I agree with Nico that I think there has to be a way of these tournaments having some effect on the rankings. Because right now, there's no way that that man on screen is the 17th best player in the world. Lee. But that's yeah, where he sits because of the criteria. I, I see that. However, it's moving to a point system. It's just how, how do you move to a point system inside the Premier League? Because it's not fair that you may have a, a system where you, you're pitting, you've got your 10 so-called best players in the world, but Johnny Clayton's one who's 17th in the world and someone like Michael Smith, who's 7th, hasn't been able, hasn't been given the opportunity to participate in that. James Wade, who is number fourth, wouldn't have been in it if it wasn't for Derwin Price. So for that to be a system where they bring that into certain tournaments, they've got to look at how they put them players into that tournament for the Premier League because to then have well, players who are not in that. that top 10. There's an easy way of doing that, like in golf with the race of the FedEx Cup. At the start of the year, you pick 10, 12, 15, however many events you want. These events are the race for the Premier League. They don't have to all be televised. You can do a Euro, couple of Euro tours, nominate said pro tours, as well as the TV events. And at the end of those events, the top 10 is your Premier League. And then everyone has an opportunity <clears throat> to qualify. They're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. No, I, I don't, I don't see do that it. being a... And you know exactly why <laughs> they won't do it, Phil. Because the big boys are at risk of missing out. Of course, of course, I'm not saying I'm not saying they're not. But that's Who's the way to sort it. it. Yeah, it is. It's 100 the way to it sort it. It's the fairest system, but they are never ever going to run a system where you could end up with a Premier League with, for instance. Who's not near in the rankings? Arguably, a world rankings could be Kim Hybrex, Ricky Evans, uh, Jamie Hughes, Gabriel Clemens, Mervyn King, Mensor Sudovic, Simon Whitlock, Darius Labanauskas, and Andy Bolton. If you've qualified for it, same as the FedEx. The big boys miss out on the FedEx Cup in golf. Um, and Jars, Jars in the chat room saying it can't happen. Um, believe me that there are t talks planned with the PDPA and the PDC. Not saying it will happen, but there are. It's certainly being looked at. So, look, I'm not, I'm I'm not surprised actually, it's not being looked at, but the powers that be that want the Premier League where it is at the minute, it is worth too much to them commercially because of the sponsorship, because of the fact it will be back to weekly next year. It is... Is it the most seen darted event of the year? It's got to be close probably. to the number of days that it runs over and probably. the casual fans that drop onto number, it. Number Maybe the world's gone. just. It's certainly second because the number of days. But certainly in the top two, your, your top boys aren't really going to miss the World Championship unless they've got injury problems and then they can fight from there. It's... Hmm. I, I wouldn't want to be in that position, but the problem is that they've done a fantastic job 
the PDC have done a, a ridiculously good job of growing the sport and all the tools that they've used to get there, things like the World Series, things like the Premier League. But in doing so, they've dug themselves a bit of a hole in that they have a, a large proportion of the tour not counting towards rankings, used to boost the game, pushing the players to go there with high financial reward rather than anything that sits on their ranking because that's how you motivate players to go and, and keep doing it. And at some point, that balance has to be recorrected to it's a meritocracy. Everybody can be in that situation. It's an interesting talking point. Before we move on, there's some in the chat room. All absolutely superb. Padraig, how are we all doing? Uh, G's Adventures, Niall Colour and the Werewolf is in. See you in a few weeks, I believe, mate. Um, hope everyone is good. Tommy, Missy, Mark, all in there as always. Keep them coming. We'll go back through the chat room to make sure we get all the questions as they come nearer the end. We'll go on to this one from here. Now the Premier League is done. All eyes are on the Winter Gardens, and it is now a huge six weeks for the 128. There are eight events to get themselves a place in the match play. Two blocks of four, Lee, will decide the fate. And there's a few players that haven't played much recently. The ones that didn't go to Germany, that aren't in the Premier League, could be a bit rusty, and of course... We will have the returning world champion and world number one to this block of pro tours in Milton Keynes. Yeah, there's two there's two parts of the Super Series where it's been the players like Derwin Price who haven't played for such a long time and didn't travel but need to get ready to go and challenge to win the match play. And then you've got the second part of it, which is the race for the match play, where I would probably say that amount that we've spoken about before being around 22 and a half has probably moved up to close to the 25 mark to guarantee your spot into match play, which made it a lot more interesting with the eight events that we've got. And there's a, certainly a few names who are outside at the moment who uh, need to put in the good performances. Uh, one, one that's certainly standing out looking at is someone like Whitlock, who's 19 in the world, very unlikely our best to break into that top 16. To do that, he'd have to put in a performance that led him into the order of merit anyway. And uh, a man we speak about quite a lot in Barney of is on 14.25, but one of those is with a win. And what what Barney will be seeing that times, and there's other names in there. So it's going to be a very, very exciting eight days for the for the two parts of that, I think. Gob, someone like Joe Cullen that two months ago was in amazing form, but we haven't seen him. So big time for these players to get their game prepped and right before the world match play. Yeah, bang on, mate. Um, I think this is this is when we know if the new guard, if you like, are here to stay because they haven't played in the Premier League because they've been out of action so long because your your top guys barring Gerwin Price have, have been involved in the Premier League and given the opportunity to play competitive darts over the last couple of weeks. They'd sort of been pushed out on the Pro Tours. We were seeing that that new guard coming through. Okay, that includes Jose D'Souza, but that includes Joe Cullen. Um, is this the time that Price and Wright and, and Van Gerwen go back in and, and stamp their foot and their authority on it? Or are we genuinely going to keep seeing multiple different winners on the Pro Tour that continue to change the landscape 
of the top 16 for the next nine months. Yeah, it's certainly interesting. The, 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 the two the biggest names that spring to mind is probably Cullen and Smith that we haven't seen a lot of, and Price, of course, but that's not not his, not his fault. Um, do we think everyone will play in these pro stores, or do you think that some may skip the first block and use the second block? Oh. The only one's likely I, I to do that is, is your Gary Anderson. Yeah. I'd, Sorry, is it Only a small number I'd expect to miss the first. I would expect a lot of them to use this. When you think about it, what six weeks away? It's only two events in six weeks. There's nothing else for them to sort of play in. So maybe someone like Ander, um, but I don't see many of us missing that first one. And certainly not the second. Yeah. No, completely agree. So a huge six weeks. And we will be doing our um, Super Series live stream through both parts of the Super Series. So we will have you covered all day so you know exactly how everything is going. Dan, we're going to look through a week, 10 days in darts. First of all, we'll come to one that's close to us. The phase two of the online darts live league was announced. Champions week added every fifth week gob with a huge amount of prize money for amateur players to play for. Can't knock it, mate. Cannot knock it at all. Uh, absolutely loving that we've, we've got this available to bring to people day in, day out. Um, and it, it just keeps going up a level. The difference between... Week one, when we recommissioned this in, in the first block of eight to, to what we're doing now with um, the referees being allowed in the venue. Paul Nicholson, Chris Mason have, have been superb on the commentary. Um, the standard of play now that the guys are playing for serious cash, better than the challenge tour at times, um, is, is just going up and up and up. Um, and it, it just continues to get better. And I almost wish I was good enough to play <laughs> or to another <laughs> yeah. job because I'd be down there doing something. If you if you get into Champions Week, you can potentially win 5K, Lee. That's two challenge tours and a final that you'd have to do. Also, do we think players at the lower end of the 128 that aren't picking up money may be a little bit jealous? 100%. 100%. I think seeing it as well, um, how good it's been, first of all, the standard has been very good week on week from the first set to then moving into this. Um, and there's certainly some players who I'm sure are very jealous that they're seeing um, this happening and the money that's being put into it. Um, and they're seeing this as an, an opportunity missed when you think of what you can earn on here. And yes, they'll have the proud tours coming up. But when you're drawing the lights of MVG and Derby Price in round one, you're not going to earn much when you're online darts leaving. You can go on and challenge and push on and earn the money that they're earning there. So, yeah, there is certainly quite a few at that bottom end who would be very jealous. <laughs> and look, hopefully there's plans that once international travel is a little bit easier that we'll see some of the um, European lads coming over to play in it as well once they're 
they don't have to quarantine and everything like that to greenlist them to continue the evolution of the live league. But it's been great. I was producing today. It's good fun. Also, last week, I have to excuse the size of this one. I couldn't stretch it much more because it would look awful. But big news Can't from Mad. No, uh, big news from Mad again, Gob, dropped last week. Yeah, the, the, the Mad World Championships is here. And let's be honest, last time we were, we were sat here, we got into a bit of debate on the future of amateur darts in the UK and around the rest of the world. Um, a big move from Mad without disclosing a lot, but it secures their date. It puts them on the calendar. They've got deadlines to work towards now. The event being there with that to work to just allows them to, to go to potential broadcasters or sponsors uh, and that sort of thing. And, and just putting that that flag in the sand, if you like, means that they're here, they're committed, they're staying, and they've got something to deliver now. Yeah, we, we, we touched on it, it earlier, and I was chatting, chatting to the guys today because obviously the belt system, the belt system is still going to stay, but they're going to tweak it slightly. Um, I don't want to give too much away because it'll come out in, in time. But it, it's quite a nice little tweak, which then opens up avenues for other potential stream broadcasting events, which will be which will, which will be quite cool when it all works. Also, chatting to Steve Bram, lots of new areas and territories are getting involved in MAD as well. A lot of people said, would it be UK-based? The answer is no. Would it be European-based? The answer is no. There's big, big movements being made with this mad concept, Lee. Any, anything only be a positive. Um, Rod says, now we've got a dating for this. There's something to look forward to in regards to the World Championships. Um, I like the timing of it as well. I think it actually works better being before the PDC Worlds. Um, being the week or so before that starts. Um, so it can only be positive news that's coming out of that. I'm looking forward to, you know, seeing more of the, the belts and fighting for and the news that's going to come out regarding that. So it can only be positive and it's the starting steps of what MAD can do and hopefully we'll see it um, grow and grow and grow. Just touching on what you said there, we'll, and we'll go to Gob on this one, about the date. It is very clever because beforehand you go from the players championships and there's two weeks of hype before the PDC worlds putting it beforehand and not after is very very good also the fact that they've nailed their colors to the mask and there's a date in the diary we know there'll be a WDF world championship at some point once their ranking events are back up and running this leaves them in a tricky situation where to put this because we've got the mad worlds at the beginning of December the PDC mid to beginning of January and the seniors at the end of January. There's not a lot of calendar room for the WDF to manoeuvre this at the moment. No, there's not. And before you, you pick anything, you, you'd probably identify three slots for a world championship, given the current darting calendar that exists and the way that ranking systems exist traditionally without having to move anything. Because the more you move these the more you then have to start your ranking system from a certain date and, and build it up and actually given that 
these organizations are going to need an entire year to run their ranking system to put a date in like this to get in before this would mean that that system has to be up running and everything fine in advance so september october november time um i, I think your three blocks of dates were just before the pdc worlds january after the worlds um where we normally see the traditional the bdo slot there is still a little bit of a gap there before q school maybe but our player is going to want to commit to that then. And the other one is Easter. Easter has been talked about quite a lot in terms of a, a BDO um, World Championship format, especially if it's being hosted in the UK, in terms of hopefully bringing in a few more spectators to whichever venue they pick. People will be off work or, or kids will be off school, so hopefully we see a bit more of a, a family audience. And I think that is where we might see the WDF pushed into. But at that point, they're going to be four or five months behind a mad amateur world darts championship the world seniors world darts championship the pdc world darts championship the jdc will have crowned a world darts champion there's going to be a lot of world champions by the time that rolls around so marketing is going to be crucial on that one and yeah I, I agree I think on that one as well on, on, sorry phil all, all i was going to say at that point is obviously we have the build-up to the world championships and then you have q store so if, like before we had bdo and then we had q store here we have mad then we have q store Moving that to April, are we going to miss out on quite a few big names potentially in amateur who've done the work the year before leading up to a Worlds, but then qualified then your card that you would potentially miss out on a WDF World title in April because of the build-up and then getting a card would possibly stop that and not give you that opportunity? Yeah, possibly. And I think the fact that Easter moves every year as well makes it a difficult thing to nail to the Mars. Does does that make sense? Because then your ranking changes what date it effectively starts from. It can be three, four weeks difference at a time. So, yeah, given Q score and given that is, we're, we're making the presumption that is the likely aim of everybody that is going to compete at one of these world championships. That first couple of days, starting on the likes of the 5th, the 6th of January, and trying to squeeze it in between that and Q score is, is probably the likely way that they're going to have to go. Um, just because of that system, if you like. But we'll have to wait and see what they could do. Because even then, if you, if you go too early in December, you're missing an entire month off your calendar. That's when you arguably can't run any ranking events or, or restart again because everything else is going on. So, And we don't know if players are going to cross over from these events either, which would be massive. It's, it's certainly an interesting one, but clever from the guys at MAD, like we say, it's the, the flag is out. It's waving in the wind right now. And Steve Brown has been very, very proactive with all this. He hasn't. Like anything, things need to be given time to get off the ground before you can criticise anything. People are very reluctant to change, but this is something new. It's something different. And I think you have to give them the opportunity for... It, it, to have a go, if you like. Um, I don't think there are many that would disagree that under its former guys, the BDO World Championship and the system that the BDO were running on behalf of the WDF was no longer a viable option for amateur darts in the world. Agreed. There's a gap. A couple Agreed. of people are trying to take advantage of that. I will have to see how it comes out from there. Yeah, agreed. Um, Missy said, 
Um, would it be bad if they crossed over? Um, in terms of the players, no, look, I think it's every amateur should be aiming to get one of those one two eight tour cards. That's what you you, you play for, for me. Don't know. Yeah, there's, there's only a small number who are not going to be aiming towards that. I.e. I, Martin Adams would, I would expect to see him in these sort of events, but not going to be. There's a very, very small number. The rest um, would be pushing for that one to eight, I would assume. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. Well, everyone, it's that time. Get your questions in. Chat room is open. It's the time where the shackles are off. And ask away, everyone. Cool. Gob, you've caught the sun as well. I've just noticed. You're a bit... I'm in... Yeah, mate, I'm in a bit of trouble, to be honest. Yeah, you're you're in a whole world of trouble. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you've... Um, I have. You've not done the ginger routine, have, have you? Fact 50, hide under the shade... I'll give you two naps before six o'clock in two days. I'm in a I'm in a bit of trouble. Still awake. I'll give you some lessons how to do it. For the for, for the last <laughs> year, us gingers, I've I've managed to dodge COVID and the sun. I'm an expert. Um, but get your questions in, then everyone. Um, whilst they all filter through, we'll go back through the chat room, see which ones we've missed because you guys have all been. Absolutely top draw today, as always. Oh, here's, here's one, Gob. Do you think we could ever see, because we know Eddie loves expansion and everything like that, two, five, six tour card holders in the future? Um, I don't know. It depends... If anything, I could see the field shrinking to to push to two five six. There has to be enough there to make it viable, and we've already had discussions in the last year. People that that went into to Q school, the likes of Robert Marianovich, for example, who wasn't prepared to suddenly become a full time professional dart player seen it in snooker as well when they qualify pick up their Q score which is going on at the minute and come the end of the week they've got to find 10 grand in hotel fees and entrance fees for the next three events they just haven't got and aren't ready for and expanding means that there has to be enough prize money within the system realistically for these players to commit full time to being dark players and that would mean that the prize money for a pro tour has to go up. The money that you dish out for that opening round has to go up. That's a big, big increase. If you've suddenly got twice the field and you're paying out at round two, like realistically you have to. You could possibly see the return of entry fees, but I think the PDPA and, and that move went down pretty well with everybody previously. I just don't see how you finance it unless the sport goes absolutely massive. But we spoke about this before, yeah. how it's missing a blue chip sponsor. Someone that isn't a betting company or an, or an alcohol or even a McCoy's, to be honest. They're big names, but they're not global. They're not big companies. They're not the chucking their name yeah. on it. 
They're not Mercedes. They're not an SAP. They're not a McDonald's. They're not Coca Cola. Who have yeah, just no, got supposed a ridiculous to amount of money and could change the face of the entire sport if they so wished. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Um, Jonathan says, which nine data would you have rather happened? Taylor v. Cross or Lim versus Anderson? Oh, easy for Lim. me. Lim. 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 Yeah, full house. Yeah. Lim. Yeah. Um, Raven Effect, who's the favourite for the match play now? Um, the odds aren't up, but MVG will always be favourite because the bookies won't take the risk on being hammered. Last year, remember when he was three to one to win the UK Open for uh, about three hours? They got absolutely crucified. Um, so the MVG will always be favourite or minimum joint favourite because they won't take the risk. And I'm not sure that would have dropped after this week because obviously he didn't, didn't win it, but the four nights he didn't do a lot on, let's be honest. He, he didn't come out the box first night, but then after that, he produced some good stuff that puts him in good stead. Um, so he's certainly going to be favourite, and I don't think, if anything, that have dropped, not done higher from uh, last week, I think. No, I completely agree. Uh, Malcolm says, will Paul Nicholson ever get his tour card back? Um, chatting to him, had a real good sit-down with him. He's hopeful that the surgery he's having will correct the issues, and he still wants... One more go at it. He still thinks he can do it. He doesn't want his career to end as a player the way it did. So, look, if the surgery works, I, 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 I could see him doing it. I don't know about you, boys. It, it'd certainly be great to have him back on the tour. Whether he does or not, because we'd just see it then. As they've thought each year, to that too hard, the number of people who are entering, but it would certainly be good to have him back on. It would, but we've just sat here and spoke about the possible future opportunities from the amateur side. For someone like Paul and, and, and Mark Webster and, and some of the bigger names that have been there and done it, to pick up your tour card to then effectively do a tour of Britain's large leisure centres or to appear in events where you could appear on, on TV, pick up serious prize money, be a, a world champion in, in, in a certain right, I'm not sure PDC tour card holder for those players is the most appealing. Unless they no, genuinely okay, believe yeah. they can be top 16, top 32 player in the world. Nico's hoping to play in some of the mad events towards the back end of the year if the elbow are now is, is all good. So that'll be, that, that, that'll be good. Um, where are we? Is Jose the new fan favourite from Yankee... Clipper. Um, I'd say he's got a fan base. Is he the ultimate fan favourite? Not yet for me. From being in the arena on last week, uh, I'm a Jose fan, but he certainly wasn't fan favourite, even though he got to the final. There was Nathan Aspinall throughout the week who had a massive uh, support. Johnny Clayton, it seemed like the part was in Cardiff with how loud. There was even part of seeing people chant Wales with an England flag wrapped around them, which I always I found very, very strange. But I think there's other players in there who are higher up on that fan favourite list than Jose. But he has got a backing, just not as big as some of the others. Completely got a backing. But 
it's going to be hard to overtake people like Peter Reichgold, who has got an established fan base that when that walk-on comes on and the dance happens, everyone gets involved, as we saw from Milton Keynes when the, the dance between the aisles was back. Oh, massively. You look at the likes of Vincent van der Voort. He's always going to have that affection with the crowd because of his walk-on song. That is such an underrated tool in a dark player's arsenal to have a, yeah. a walk-on that the crowd can sing or, or resonate with. It's massive. I, I yeah. think that an important part in that as well will be the fact that um, if we can see the sport in Portugal grow, we'll then see if he then becomes a bigger and bigger fan favourite. With us having no events there at the moment, if we start having events there, that could spike very, very quickly to being to him becoming one of the top ones in regards to fan support. But at the moment, with no events there, um, I don't see him being in that top players due to the support they've had over the year, the Wrights, the Andersons, those sort of people. Yeah. Um, Curtis says, well, where has it scrolled too far? Um, will Fallon play with um, women players or do they all go in for one for the whole field? The mad one, I'm not sure. But the, the WDF is certainly going to have a women's only tour section, world championship, televised, whatever it is. So I think you can see Fallon doing both. I think she'll play with the women on the WDF side of it. And I think she'll do the mad stuff as, as well as the lady series when it comes up later in the year, guys. What do you think? I think she's yeah. in a, a good position to be able to dip her toe into anything that suits her, get a game into the right position, and then be able to pick which avenue she wants to go down. If there's a, a Women's World Championship standalone, if she wants to play in the amateur, she's going to keep getting picked for the Live League. She's still in the lineup for the PDC World Series when it goes to New York. She's got options. There are, there today, are worse positions to be in in the world than where Fallon currently finds herself. And today she went seven into the nine on the Live League. Good stuff from the Queen of the Palace. Um, Bill says, do you think MVG will win a TV tournament this year? Maybe right is correct. I think he'll win one. Yeah, I think he'll win one as well. Uh, I think he'll probably win more than one. Um, I can't see him not winning one. I wouldn't be surprised if he wins it in Blackpool at all. Uh, I think from what we've seen from the last week, he's going to push on at the end of this year. And I'd like to say, I'd be very, very surprised if he doesn't pick up a big one before the end of the year. You, Cobb? I don't know. And it's not often that I don't know, but I don't know. We don't, sit, we don't sit on the fence here. Yes, no answer, please. I know. I, I was watching no, Dobbs face when I was giving my answer, and I was trying to get something back from what Dobbs was thinking, but I wasn't getting anything <laughs> at all. And normally I have to read him, and there was nothing at all on this occasion. <laughs> no. No. Um... There have been times in this Premier League where he has looked ridiculously good, but there have been times in this Premier League where he has looked gettable, weak. There are chinks in the armour that never used to be there, that used to get him over the line in those big moments that he used to be able to play that B game, that C game in the early rounds, and his name would 
get him opportunities and he'd make the most of it and he'd have to switch on for maybe four legs out of 15. He can't do that anymore. He has to be on it from game one. He's, he's, he's got a, quite a big target on his back now because of who he is, what he's achieved and the level of performance he's been putting in for the last six months. And he just needs to find that extra level of, not even sure it's the action anymore. He just needs to find that extra level of, of mental strength, stability. We know, I, I think we know, we can, we can see what he's working on away from the hockey. The reactions to darts going in this week, the roars, the cheers, even from 140s, tons of those big moments. I had this argument on, on Twitter the other day. Those reactions aren't for the benefit of us watching at home. They're for the benefit of himself to fire himself up, but they're for his opponent as well, that he wants well, I, to let yeah. know that he's still there. I'll go back to 2012, 13, 14, 15. He was doing it all the time then. It's something that he stopped doing. Mm -hmm. Rob Cross is the same. Look at the lack of re reactions we see from Rob Cross now the form has dropped off. Adrian Lewis as well. Adrian Lewis used to do it regularly, swag about on stage. Now you see him react and it is an act of desperation. It is a roar to let you know he's still in there fighting, not I've got my foot on your head and I'm not letting you go. And that's the difference. You you can sense that. You can sense that when you're stood behind the player. You can see why they're reacting. It's why Gerwin Price has been so good at it for the last 18 months because he's got ahead of people fighting a 180. The amount of times I've seen Gerwin Price in the last leg decided this year, open with a poor visit, leave the door open, not quite punished, doesn't do something else, and then fires in a 180 or a 177 or a 137, and suddenly... Despite him being 40 points behind in the leg, the way the leg just works out, he's, he's a ton or a ton 40 away from setting up a far nicer finish than his opponent and, and getting darts at it first. It's, it's a very, very strange game at times, but he has to find that level of just swagger. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, Daniel says, when is Price back playing? Is it the match play? No, he'll be back for the Super Series in two weeks in Milton Kings. Um, oh, Ollie's putting us on the spot here, gentlemen. Six days, oh. 86 days after he last played a competitive dance match. I think it worked out. Yeah, Ollie's putting us on the spot here, gents. An answer from each of you who is the best pundit in darts right now? Oh, this is quite easy for me. I think over the Premier League, oh, Mark thanks, Webster Bill. has gone to another level. I think Webby has been absolutely amazing during the Premier League. That's a funny way of pronouncing Jack Garwood. <laughs> <laughs> Don't think Mark Webster Web called MVG one, Jose de Souza two, Dimmy dropping out and someone else sneaking in at the last minute, did he? No. But fine, you go with Webby. Is this the is this the second I told you some of the show, Doc? <laughs> if you've got it flaunt it and i've actually got it this time so i'm gonna flaunt it <laughs> anyway anyway let's have some answers from you gentlemen but let's not sit on the fence go on lee i'm thinking Go on, go on, <laughs> You're hiding. Oh, yeah, I'll go first then. All right. 
Look, I think I, I, Webster's very, very good. Uh, I like the way Nico breaks down the game. Um, I, I think Wayne Mardle gets a lot of stick, and a lot of it is unnecessary for me. He is very, very good at analysing the game in a multitude of different ways. He has got the psychology of players down to a T because he's been there and done it. He is the best analysis of a darting action you've ever seen. It's ridiculous just how easy and how quickly he can spot the smallest difference in a mechanic. And I think that he plays up to a role on Sky that perhaps isn't him, that suits the way that he plays an exhibition or, or something. But actually, when it comes down to it, if you want genuine, hard-hitting, straight-up, serious analysis, I still think Wayne Mardo's got it in him. Oh, Wayne's still brilliant. But I just think that Webby's gone to another level this Premier League. It is hard. It is hard to disagree with Webby. Um, I like I like Mace. Uh, I like listening to Mace when he's on the live lead. It's a it's a very difficult job to be able to talk you through a game and the detail of it on your own. Um, and I know we does it. We see him on the ICV four coverage. I'm a big fan of uh, of Mace, so I would probably have Mace just in front of Webby. But I am loving seeing Webby and hope to see him a lot more on star. Yeah, no, completely agree. Um, Daniel, uh, Jar's not allowed out to play tonight, mate. Um, <laughs> um, Webster's is very good. Didn't get his permission to um, time. Yeah, uh, Raven said, Phil, um, this is the first time you're doing interviews live on with the interviews for Sporty Stuff TV. Yeah, look, it was something last minute that happened, and we sort of like. It didn't go great, but we will be doing more of them with the winners and, and stuff like that. It was a last-minute decision that we got away with, but it'll be better. Um, someone said about the um, presenters, uh, Jacques Newlove. Yeah, Jack, look, Jack's very, very good. Um, does a lot of stuff for RCL. in action. I've, I've seen him on the Euro Tour and stuff like that. He's he, very, very good. Very, very knowledgeable, Jack. Yeah. Thanks. Really, really good. Oh, good one from Messi here. Um, what was the one moment that gave you absolute goosebumps during um, the last Premier League? Ooh. The easy answer is the 120. For, for me, was it was in that exciting. game. It, it, it was in that game, but it wasn't the 120. It was the 149 to finish that performance as a whole. Um, to wrap that up. It, it's hard because I, I will only judge it over the nights I was there. Because as much as there was someone you're not in the arena, for me, it would only look back over that week. And that Jose 149 to wrap up that performance that included all those tops. And that included the 180s. Overall, that was probably the, the one for me. Yeah, um, look, that, that, that's the one that ticks all the boxes. Um, I thought, look, the, the, the first walk on when the fans are back, that was pretty big. 
Yeah. That was when you sort of know that. Because I, I don't want to talk politics. I don't want to get into it. But it's a sign that we're on the right track, etc. And I just, I'm very much of the opinion that we might not necessarily keep progressing at the same rate that we have in terms of easing of restrictions and that sort of thing. But I don't think we'll go backwards. I think this is a level, there's, there's a line drawn in the sand and we will not go back over that. So this is back and here to stay. Yeah, no, good call. Um, Henry is in, says, hi guys, had an awful takeaway. So thanks for cheering me up tonight. Jackie Oakley on ICB4 is amazing. Our pleasure, Henry. Yeah, no, look, Jackie's very, very good at what she does. She's um superb. And just out of interest, what takeaway did you have? Name them, shame them in the comments. <laughs> name, name and shame. Oh, you, gents, you'd be so proud of me as well. In Milton Keynes, in five days, I only had one waggers. Oh, the no, it's like you didn't say right. one takeaway, Phil. It was it was one waggers. <laughs> Oh, no, oh, no, I actually You still ate shit for six days, didn't you? You still ate shit for six days. I only had one Waggers, one KFC, one McDonald's, one Burger <laughs> no. King, one Chinese. No, I didn't. <laughs> one Greg's and one Subway. Uh, to be fair, I from well, the, there's, a the there's a Turkish restaurant. There's a Turkish restaurant on the corner by the MK Stadium. Do you see it, Boise? Yes. Yeah. And actually at there, so I just had like rice and meat. So I actually ate quite well. Yeah, I, I, I didn't. The uh, the Premier Inn, all you can eat breakfast went down an absolute treat. The only day it didn't <laughs> was on the... It was on the Thursday, I think Jar will tell you, that because um, he had a pizza the night before and didn't finish it the following morning, that ended up being my breakfast. But that's a debate for a different show around uh, warming up pizza the next morning. I think that. I ate worse than you two last week and I was at home. <laughs> yeah, it says sorry. What's up, waggers? Uh, Wagger mamas. It's my um my takeaway of choice. Um, I ordered Greg's to my house the other day. <laughs> six 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 hot pastries and two drinks for nine quid. I was like, I will get a bit of that. The morning after uh, I was at one o- McDonald's at one o'clock on Thursday morning after the girlfriend had just finished work. <laughs> Jonathan says there was a McDonald's Friday night. There was a McDonald's start. breakfast Saturday morning. Burger Saturday night. It's not gone well. Um, Jonathan said, "Would it be possible to show the session results and the live league standings um, in between the matches on the live league?" Uh, we're putting up tables now. Every sort of like. Two or three games, mate. We'll try and work on the results as well. But the tables are going up um, every two or three games in between games now, mate. So we're, we're working on it. We're forever trying to evolve it. But no problem at all. Uh, Charlie, good evening, mate. Hope you are good. Um, people asking about John Part. No, he didn't travel because of restrictions and whatever. I think it was just an absolute ball ache. Um, says you, um, Ollie says you haven't had a guest on for a while. Is there anything in the pipeline? Yeah, we're we're, we're working on on bits and bobs. Um, so stay tuned. Um, 
Oh, Roman Effect, question. What is Tony Green's legacy in darts? Ooh. Good question. Yeah. Look, I think back in the day, Tony was very, very good on the BBC and, and, and at Lakeside. Um, I think towards the end, he got progressively worse. Almost didn't know when it was time to get out. Would that be a fair way to put it? In, in his prime, very, very good, but maybe hung on too long. A bit like other commentators. You could possibly say that. You could possibly say that about a lot of broadcasters. There are some that, that just don't know because it's their entire life. Don't know what to do when it's done. Um, I think it's difficult because of the connection he had with Bullseye and and how good it is on how good he was on that. And obviously Jim Bowen was was top dog on that, so he doesn't get as much recognition. And you you sit and watch old episodes now, and it, it's not quite. PDC calling, which has which has changed a lot, and it's every dart. But he had that. He had a great relationship. Nobody was ever. I don't think I've ever heard a bad story about Tony Green, which is which is fantastic. Right. But it's a bit like John Virgo. John Virgo is pretty much known for two things now: pop black and where's the cue ball going? Yeah. Yeah. No, agreed. Despite but, being a very sorry. very good commentator and a half decent player in his day, so. Yeah, I think that bullseye connection is always going to be something that is associated with Tony Green, and rightly so, because he did a fantastic job of it. To put darts as, as primetime TV game show for as long as they did is ridiculous. Uh, cheers, Henry. Everyone, avoid Ocean City Chinese takeaways. Ruin Henry's night. Don't go there. We're not, we're not endorsing them. Other Chinese, yep, you're right, Raven. That other Chinese takeaways are available. Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Daniel says any news on the Euro Tour yet uh, news coming soon is that probably the best way I can put it said that three weeks ago but it is coming we promise we just can't say well <laughs> yeah I, but I do have a flight <laughs> thanks for the invite uh, but uh, new, new, news coming soon on the Euro Tour um, where else are we? There's some no, Missy. I'm not going for Happy Meals. Oh, also tomorrow, 10 a.m. World Seniors tickets go on sale. Yes. Um, yes. God, waffle that you didn't I'm, prepare. I'm, yeah, that, yeah. Waffle, God, waffle, waffle. Yeah. This I'm is what when I text player. you, and then you announce it. I text you because we haven't spoken about it. We're not talking about it. And then you announce it and then you say waffle while you get it ready instead of getting it ready before <laughs> you uh, announce it and say, absolute genius. This is what we do here. I'm like, that's a lot of loud. Just throw him under the, under the bus a little bit. Um, yeah, we'll get that graphic up in a minute. Jonathan Roberts, who's the greatest woman's dart player ever? I think that has to be Trina Gulliver. 10 World Championships. Hang on, hang on, Phil, hang on. Because Lisa Ashton breaks... This is where I'm going to get you, actually, because you're a trainer on this one, right? 
I know where you're going. I know where you're going, John. <laughs> you're, and I put something in the chat room earlier, which, by the way, you ignored. So I'm going to bring it back to that as well. This is what happens when you tell me to waffle. And you know exactly where this is going. You're Trina on the greatest female darts player of all time because she's won 10 world championships. I don't think it's just the 10. I think it's the fact that what she did for the game in the early stages... She was the one that set the benchmark for me. All, I, all I'm hearing is exactly what Phil Taylor did. But you're a, you're a Van Gerwen man. Over but I, Lisa Rushton in the women's I, game, being currently TV world record average. I, I, I will also revert to type, and Lisa, Lisa and Fallon's A game is better than we've seen Trina produce. We've seen Trina win a world title when Lisa and Fallon are both participating, then. But we've seen we've seen a higher standard from Fallon and Lisa than we did Trina. It's the same principle. Phil will always be the most successful player, but Van Gogh is the best I've ever seen play, and probably the same with the women. Trina will be the most successful ladies player ever. Those numbers aren't getting touched. If Van Gerwen never wins another TV title again, do you still put him as the greatest player ever? In terms of standard, yes. His his his, his higher standard, his <laughs> higher standard, in my opinion, is better than Phil's. Is it? In my in my because opinion, the unofficial world record average right. sits with Kyle Anderson, not Michael Van Gerwen. The head to head record is still massively in favour of Phil Taylor, even when you consider Van Gogh's dominance over Taylor in the Premier League, which is in large parts because Phil decided to sign a lucrative deal with a manufacturer that didn't work out to his benefit for the first two years. I think that's still mate, Mr. Boys, don't you? Anyway, let's talk World Seniors because tickets do go on sale <laughs> tomorrow. And with that, by the way, Phil, there was the formal Phil, announcement next, next as well. That sort of slipped... want, <laughs> yeah. What's that? I said next time I'll fill in for you when you're doing something instead of dog because look what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed, I, I, I noticed Aljar's disappeared in the chat room as well because he was nipping in and out. And the minute I've, I've got him again, it's uh, they've all gone a bit quiet over there like Man City fans. Disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, World Seniors tickets do go on sale tomorrow. You do have to call up the box office at the Circus Tavern. Um, I cannot tell you the prices because that's small on your screen. It's even smaller on my screen. So Phil Bars might have them in a minute. Uh, set play format has been announced. Though When you look at other World Championships, you look at the players that are going to be involved in this calibre. Pricing, I believe, for day sessions, for the entire block, for individual blocks. I think is pretty reasonable for a trip to the Circus Tavern and all the nostalgia that comes with it. <clears throat> I agree. I've, I've got the prices here. I think these ticket prices are very, very good in comparison yeah. to what you pay elsewhere. So for if you want to go to every session, there's a special um, rate which will get you a ticket for every session, 200 and 25 quid for one, 
for seven sessions of darts. I think that is very, very good. If you want to buy an all-day ticket for the Friday, it's 55. All day for Saturday, 75. And all day for the Sunday is 90. Um, individual prices are Thursday is £30. Friday afternoon, 25. Friday night, 35. Um, Saturday afternoon, 35. Saturday night, 45. Sunday afternoon, 45. And for the finals, it is 50. And there are limited VIP tickets available as well, also priced very reasonably as well. So I think credit to everyone. I think the pricing for the World Seniors is absolutely on point. Yeah, agree. I've seen 100%. exhibitions where you see two or three of these players charge five, ten pounds more than some of those sessions. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. When you absolutely. put it into that context. Yeah. Job done. Yeah. yeah. Really, really good work. Um, and this will sell out. So, 10 o'clock tomorrow morning, they go on sale. Get in there because you don't want to miss out on this. Um, right, where were we? Uh, Tommy says, does Leighton Bennett plan to plan the PDC development tour next year? Uh, I don't know, but I would say absolutely he will. I don't know that for a fact, but I can't imagine it not. I would be very, very surprised if he doesn't play the minute he is old enough. Yeah. Yeah, very, very surprised. There will be a lot of eyes on him as well. There will be a lot of eyes on Leighton. It'll be interesting to see how he settles into that. Yeah. Um, Raven Effect says, did they release the VIP ticket information? Uh, VIP ticket information is on dartshop.tv. I haven't looked. Wait a minute. I'll have a look now for you guys as you are. Let's see if it's there. See, working on the fly for you guys. Uh, they, they haven't gone live yet. They go live tomorrow morning. Sorry, guys. Jonathan, me first. Um, what's that, mate? Jonathan's offering to sugar daddy Missy. I was like, me first. Fucking <laughs> 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 suntan lotion, then. Um, Jonathan says, what is the most feel-good moment throughout the Premier League? Fans coming back for me. Has to be. Has to be. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, Tommy says, do you think there will ever be a Premier League 2 in the future, like a feeder system? I would love the concept, but don't see it happening. Um, yeah, Paddy I, says, I, I, struggle then to, I struggle then to see that, Phil, as we was on about earlier, around how if the Premier League changes who does in and if events were to be picked by or if there's any sort of change, I'm not sure then how they would do that if you do it over the past 12 months. 
how do you then run a promotion validation sort of system to do that? So I'm not sure we would see it, but I think it would be great to see. And yeah, um, Paddy says, "Who got the TV rights for the seniors?" I uh, don't think it's been announced yet, and I don't know. In, in all honesty, um, but it will be on TV. Don't worry about that. Right, last five minutes or so, guys, because we've been going for nearly an hour and forty minutes. So last five minutes or so. You guys have been amazing tonight. Views are absolutely on point as always. You guys really do appreciate it. And didn't use the new kit tonight, but I've got a new streaming kit, which I was setting up, but didn't get around to getting everything in place. So we're on the old one, but next week we'll, we'll be playing with the new stuff. No, 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 Phil, you don't say that. We'll say we'll use the new stuff when we get to 50 likes on this stream because we're only at 30 and there's enough of you sat there. Click that button. <laughs> because we're not, we're also not a million miles away from the promise of the 10K, Phil. It is slowly creeping no. back up again at the minute. Let me just get the number for everybody exactly. And the, the, the giveaway is sat in my house. It's there waiting to go out live. We are 270 subscribers away from the best giveaway we have ever done. Yeah. Yes, it is absolutely superb. Uh, Missy says, when's the next live range? Next Monday, as always. You know the rules. The only time we probably won't do one is on the 14th because of the Super Series. But we'll be on your screens anyway, so don't worry about that. Uh, I say, but we'll, but we'll be on your screen for seven glorious hours anyway. So <laughs> don't worry about that. Uh, I, I like this one from Tommy, and we've spoke about this not for a while, but we have mentioned this before. It says, should more of the World Youth Championships be shown on TV? Semi-finals, question mark. I'd like to see from the quarterfinals. Yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to see more. I'd like yeah. to see a lot more. Uh, quarterfinals or maybe even 16. Uh, I'm not sure when or how you would fit that in, in with the tournament. But, yeah, I'd like to see more, definitely. I think there's room in Minehead to do to do it. I think you'd have to stream it on PDC TV, not thinking you'd do it on stage two. But then you're taking crowd away from the last session, or the last two sessions. Is it possible to stream it in between the... The two sessions on that day from stage two, and the maybe? Possibly. It depends yeah. on, on... They already start taking that down at that point, don't they? Logistics. Yeah. That, that stage is already coming down at that point. Plus, they have to clear the arena between sessions to clean it up, get new signs and stuff up ready for the evening session and whatever. Unless yeah. there's an opportunity to do the, the quarters, semis, maybe to an event prior and then you have the final at yeah. the players because you have the you have them running up until the final and a massive dap until that final. So unless they move that to an early event or done it on PDC TV, I think it would certainly be done yeah. on the day to have maybe 
a couple of the streaming boards and PDC then have TV, the final show um, on there. Yeah. PDC TV from the quarters and the semis being played in reds would be perfect. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. It can be done. Right. I think that's us just about done for tonight. Absolutely superb. You guys have been hour and 45 minutes. We've waffled absolute darting nonsense with you all. We've loved every single minute of it. Of course, before we go, you know what I'm going to ask. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. We are almost there. Turn notifications on the live league. We'll return tomorrow morning, 9.30, with Chris Mason calling in all the action. I cannot wait. It's been an absolute stellar Monday night. Hope you had a great bank holiday. I've been Phil Bars, as always, joined by Jack Dobby Garwood. And tonight it was Lee Boy standing in for the end of the thumb, Jala Thetan, and we're not letting him off at all. We've been online dance, <laughs> and we will see you for next week's Live Lands. It's been a pleasure, everyone. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.